You are listening to Overcomers Church International Podcast. Here at OCI, we are dedicated to our vision of building strong people and building strong churches. From wherever you are listening, we hope this message leaves you equipped and encouraged. this um, becoming a kingdom-minded parent, and, you know, and I just, you know, want to say that even if you have older kids or you don't have any kids, then this applies to you, because every single one of you um, is or will be investing into other people, and the nature of the kingdom of God is a, it's a family. It's a lot of things. But it is a family, and I think it's probably foremost a family because we didn't get enlisted into the army of God even though there is an army of God. That's not how we came in. We got born again, which means that we were born from him, right? Or you could say we got adopted. Both of those things, both of those realities work. And so we came into the family first. So family dynamics in the kingdom are extremely important, and, you know, we... um. When it comes to like church and ministry, there's there's lots of things that are um, that there's a business side of ministry. There's a business side to church. There's organization and structure and all these things. But all of that is just to keep a good flow and keep things going in, in order and have a way of um, numbering people and discipling people. And there's there's it's right to have all of that because there's also governmental structure in the church, and that's accurate. But we're supposed to have family and relationally. God relates to us first and foremost as a father. And when he told the disciples, he said, he said, pray in this manner. And he said, and we refer to it as the Lord's prayer, but it really rightfully should be called the disciples prayer. Because Jesus said, when you pray, pray in this manner, our father, which art in heaven, and so on it it goes. The very first phrase there is our father. He didn't say our master, even though God is our master. He didn't say our uh, our commander in chief, whatever. He He's all of those things, but he said our father. And it's because we relate to him first as a father. And when we're bringing up people underneath of us, they should relate to the ones that are over them with the heart of the father and with relationship as mothers and fathers giving to them. Does that make sense? Because what we're doing is we're copying um, Jesus. We're maybe a better word than copy is that we're just imitating the way that he did ministry here on this earth. And he got the father's heart and he did what the father did. He, um, he said what he saw the father do and he said what he heard the father say. And Jesus was about the father's business and he fathered the people that came up underneath of him. And so there's a different dynamic there. And there's times, you know, in the church, there's, there's times when, uh, when military is necessary. And, you know, we go out and we'll do soul winning and do different things like that. We carry the heart of the Father, but sometimes it'll be like, you five, go that way, and you four, go that way. You know, if we're like in a group and we're doing something, well, that's a little bit more militant. And uh, there's nothing wrong with that because you got to be organized. You know, we show up for a work day. Um, there can be discipleship that takes place. In fact, a lot of discipleship and relationship can be built that way. But, um, you know, Katie will, I guess, is organizing that or however that, all that's going to work. And it will be you paint this wall. You go fix this thing. And so there's there's order and structure to it. Uh, John's going to be doing that, I think. So, uh, yeah, there you go. Uh, so praise God. So there's there's a place for all of those different dynamics. But it's it's loving people from a fathering mother mothering perspective is what is going to cause them to grow. Families are about growth. You produce children just naturally. You produce children. You bring children into the world, and then you watch them grow for the next 18 years. And hopefully, you do things to cause them to grow correctly. And you don't cause them to grow correctly because you're a drill sergeant. You do that because you're a loving mother and father. And it might mean that you might have to correct and do all those kind of things. All those are a part of being a child and being a parent. But you love them as a parent. Would That's what causes growth, and that's how the kingdom operates. Amen. So praise God. So that's the basis of what we're talking about. And so we, we started last week, and we're going to, if you want to write this up on there, we're going to talk about, um, I think we're going to get through two more of these tonight, talking about what it means to be a kingdom-minded parent, and we're going to give you four realities 
You don't like that sign. Okay, no problem. We're going to give you four realities of a kingdom-minded parent. In the last week, we talked about reality number one, and we didn't write this on the, the board, but we thought we'll just go ahead and write it up on the board, and it'll be really clear. Everybody seems to like whiteboards. It's like the lights come on or something. So uh, number one is that this is a reality of a kingdom-minded parent is that they lay up for their children. So number one is they lay up for their children, and we used a couple different verses to depict that, and one of them was in Malachi chapter 4 and verse 6. Could we pull Malachi chapter 4 verse 6 up on the screen, and let's look at that briefly, and then we're going to go on to number 2 and number 3, I believe we're going to get to tonight, in these four different realities of being a kingdom-minded parent. And again, this is, you, you need to look at this as this applies to you. If you have or will have any kind of influence in anybody's life, this is how we ought to think because this is how God thinks. And it says, and he will turn the hearts of the fathers to the children. And this is talking, this is a prophecy about um, the spirit of Elijah coming in and what the spirit of Elijah being raised up will do. And he will turn the hearts of the fathers to the children and the hearts of the children to the fathers unless they come and strike um, the earth with a curse. And so anyways, that's getting into some Old Testament things. But he's also prophesying about a time that's going, that's going to come. Amen? And uh, so he says, the hearts of the fathers to the children. And this is the principle that I want you to get here. It's the father's hearts get turned first. And so the very first thing we talk here is about, is about the parents laying up for their children. And that's the language that Paul uses in 2 Corinthians uh, chapter 12. He uses the language of like I the, the children not ought not to lay up for their parents, but the parents ought to lay up for their children. In other words, the parents take a mindset of devoting their life to whatever is necessary for the children to be raised up and to have proper understanding and all the things that go go into raising kids right. Amen. And so this is what he was talking about as far as laying up. So it has to be the it has to be the parents first. And it, it never ceases to amaze me in all my years of not just pastoring, but just being in, in church. And uh, I remember when I was, I was at um, a church when I was a teenager, and uh, the pastor, he, was, he could be a little bit dramatic, and he was a, um, he was a Baptist minister, I just really loved God, really a good man, really was, I really love him. And uh, he, he came out, um, he wasn't there, one of the services, he wasn't there all through worship, and uh, then all of a sudden, when it was his time to get up and minister, he comes out of the, the back, kind of like doors, kind of like that, and comes out, and he's got a big, giant diaper on, and he's got a big bottle, and he's got a big, giant beaky in his mouth, and he's got a bonnet over his head. I mean, he made quite an impression. It was a little bit much, but it left an impression, and... Uh, there might have been a little bit of frustration in there with them. I don't really, I don't really know. I was just a kid. I was just like, wow, the pastor's wearing a giant diaper, you know? You just, it's what was going on. And so, but his whole message that he came out and he preached in his diaper was, was about people being older but still being babes. And there's a lot of truth in that. And, you know, I never, I don't ever want to beat people over the head. That, that's, not, that's not my job at all. But, you know, in, any good, loving parent will want to see their kids grow up and not be in diapers and be on, I mean, just naturally, right? We don't want to see our, we don't want to see our kids st still nursing when they're 15 years old. Right? There comes a point where you're just like, no, you're too old to do that. So spiritually, whether you're talking about your biological kids or you're talking about your, the ones you're discipling, there should be something in you that says, come on, we need to get past this. Let's grow up. Let's mature. Let's step into the things of, of God a little bit deeper. And we can take on like what Paul said. He said, when I was a child, I thought as a child. But when I became a man, I put away childish things and I started to think and act and talk like a man. And so there's a, there's a right place for children growing up and becoming parents, and when you come to the age, I would say more than a, a numerical natural age, but you grow up spiritually because you've had a lot of years in the Lord, you should grow up spiritually to where when you come in, it's not all about everyone else meeting your needs. You literally go, I am here to meet the needs of other people. It's crazy important. I remember I was at a church this one, one time, and this lady, uh, she had been there for a couple of years, and 
there was no greeters that day or whatever. And she had been there for a couple of years. And she walked in and she goes, where's my greeting? Nobody greeted me. Where's the greeters? And it was like she'd been there long enough that the mindset should have been, uh-oh, we're missing some greeters here. I'm going to step up to the plate. I don't know what got messed up on the schedule or whatever, but I'm going to step up to the plate. I'm going to make sure all the people that get come through the door, that they get a nice welcome and the door gets opened and whatever needs to go on there. That's a mindset shift that has to go on and has to change in us. And there's no condemnation, but this is just throwing some things out that need to be there so we can come from just being babes and toddlers to where we grow into maturity. Amen. Praise the Lord. Now, you told me last week that I preached too much and that you didn't get to say enough. And so I'm giving you opportunity. I can preach and teach until we're all blue in the face. I know. But you got a revelation, girl. <laughs> well, so I mean, what would you like to say? There's, there's so much I would, could say about this. But, uh, you know, I just love just grabbing hold of it. This is a new mindset. Like, don't get in any shame or condemnation. Like, just grab a hold of this and, you know, say to the Lord. And for, we talked last week, I think, about, you know, be a son and a daughter first. Right. So that you can be a mother and a father. And we're all at like different stages of progression. So that's okay. But we should be growing and maturing. And the way that you grow and you mature is that you go and you get yourself planted somewhere. That's right. And you're pl if you're planted here, like be here, plant here, and glean everything that you can from this mother and father so that you can grow and go forward and be a mother and a father yourself. I mean... This is like we're about moving the kingdom of God forward. And it, it, Paul talks about there's not many fathers. There's a lot of teachers, right. but there's not many fathers. And so we need to grab a hold of this idea of like, I am called to be a mother and a father. Like it is what the Lord is saying and what the Lord is asking. And so for me to be a mother and father, I have to be a son and a daughter and I have to come and I have to plant underneath a mother and a father so that I can grow correctly. That's right. That's so right. I can, on. my roots can go deep and I can begin to grow and produce things so that then I can grow mature sons yeah. and daughters. Amen. Come on. That's good. And I, I think I mentioned this last week, but it's, it's worth noting that being a son or a daughter, uh, you have to become that before you can really learn to be a mother and a father. And I think that you should have both dynamics working in your life. You should always be the place of learning and gleaning from those, but also be at the same time, be at a place to where you're, you're giving out to other people. Uh, but it is a choice to come and like, you know, when your kids are born naturally to you, they don't have a choice. They come out of the womb and they're yours and they don't have a say so in it. But when it comes to the kingdom of God, people have a choice whether they are going to come and like what Liz was talking about, come and plant um, in a house. It's another phraseology you can use to come and plant in a house and come and plant in the right, you know, the right place in the right soil. Because, you know, if people don't plant, they can't grow. What's not planted has the impossibility of growing, and what doesn't grow can't bear fruit. And so people oftentimes, um, this is getting into something I don't have time to get into, but let me just say it anyways. Uh, I say that just so I won't go too far into it, but everybody in the room knows that I'm going to it anyways. But, um, you know, this is like kind of like a uh, kind of a vagabond mindset. Um, the Lord's been speaking to me a lot about this, um, but a vagabond mindset is is somebody you know you can have people like when you think about a vagabond in the natural they're a person that would that would like you know roam from place to place and they wouldn't be planted and that could be true but you know that the churches of the church of the Lord Jesus all over the place are filled with people that have a vagabond mindset and so they might be actually planted geograph geographically they may not move a lot but in their minds and in their heart and the way that they function, they're not really truly planted. And see, this goes back to the whole thing about Cain. And God, uh, you know, he told Cain, he said, and what's interesting is that Cain was a tiller of the ground. His identity when he was born was that he would be someone that would till the ground and he would bear much fruit because he was a tiller of the ground. And then the Lord said, he said that, and I believe that Cain was already in a, in a, uh, a lifestyle of a vagabond and the mindset of a vagabond. There's so much I can say about this. But 
um, the Lord said that you will be a fugitive, which means you're going to be running, and you're going to be a vagabond, and the, the earth will not yield its strength to you. And I always thought that the earth, that the Lord supernaturally suspended the ability of the earth so that Cain couldn't grow anything. But then I realized, actually, what the Lord was saying is because you're going to be running and you're going to be roaming, you're going to be a vagabond roaming around on the earth, you won't be anywhere long enough to plant and grow and see produce. So a lot of times people can be somewhere, but they really never plant, and so they don't grow, and then they don't produce the fruit that God has for them in their life. And a vagabond mentality will actually work in opposition to the identity that God has for you. So stepping into your identity, stepping into uh, your destiny, having a vagabond mindset will actually work in opposition because you won't, because the way that our stuff gets revealed, the good stuff that gets revealed that God has for us is being around people that can pull it out of us. But if you're not around those people that can pull out of you what God sees about you, if you're not there long enough and if you're not really invested into their lives, it just won't happen. And so then the enemy actually robs people because they're too afraid. They're into self-preservation. They have all kinds of things going on that keep them from really uh, being planted and, and grounded in the place that God's called them into. Oh, man. I got a whole message on that that you just got the, the introduction to. So praise the Lord. Praise God. So let's go to number two, all right? So number one is they lay up for number four, their children. You are something else. You are special. We had an argument about this earlier today. So she won, obviously. But um, number two, anyways, distraction. Uh, they, they leave a godly legacy. This is very important, all right? So this is reality number two of a kingdom-minded parent. And again, we're using that word parent for a reason because we want to begin to change all of our understanding and thinking about how the kingdom works. It's not just people, you know, coming in and just doing church together, but it's about, Lord, I want to be empowered as a son and daughter to where I can be raised up to be a great mother or a father. Hallelujah. And so that's what you are. And so this is what it means to be kingdom minded is that they leave a godly legacy. So a legacy, I was confused about this for a long time, and I thought a legacy was really about making a name for yourself. And I even um, read something that somebody posted not long ago, and uh, in fact, let me see if I can pull it up real, real quick. But when I read it, um, I thought, man, I used to think like that, and then I got a revelation, and how we worded it was like, oh yeah, that's just how I used to think. And then I got a revelation about a legacy, and I don't think like this anymore, and he said, and I don't want to leave a legacy. I don't care if they remember me, only Jesus. Well, that sounds really good. That sounds really spiritual, but it's, it's kind of ignorant. And the reason it's ignorant is that you are leaving a legacy. Whether it's a good one or not, you are leaving a legacy. The generations underneath of you, and even if you go, well, I don't have anybody underneath of me, you could even say, I don't have any kids, I don't have anyone underneath of me, and so I'm not leaving a legacy. Well, then your legacy is nothing. Even if you don't have biological kids, you can grow mature in the Lord and have spiritual kids. The choice is up to you. Sometimes people, they, they never have kids. It's no problem. Everybody's got different roles and different things in life, whatever. It's no problem. But you can make a choice to invest into other people or not. And when you are influencing, investing in other people, what does that look like? What kind of legacy are you leaving? So a legacy isn't about making a name for yourself, but it's about when you're remembered because you will be remembered. Somebody will remember you that you have influence in. What are they remembering? What is it that's happening uh, with you, between you and them, that is going to be lasting? Is it something positive? Is it good? Is it kingdom stuff? Or is it just... Being neutral, is it just whatever? You know, my I have a really some really bad legacy stuff that some of my grandparents left. I have a, uh, in my dad's line of men, uh, my great-grandfather and my grandfather are both adulterers and both murderers. My great-grandfather got, um, he got mad and uh, hit someone with the blunt end of an ax and killed him. I guess, I don't know, the blunt end was less gross than the, sharpened. I don't know. But he hit him with an axe and it killed him. 
And then my grandfather, he was he was a maniac. I didn't know him. I was only one when he was uh, when he died. And um, but there was this whole story, and this guy ended up disappearing. And my dad said, "Yeah, he killed him." But anyways, <laughs> he anyways, yeah, we'll keep going. Anyways, it was it was wild. Now you're all like, "Well, what happened?" I'm not telling you. But um, <laughs> it's family secret. But they they were adulterers. And they were murderers. And my dad got born again and filled with the Holy Ghost, and he broke that. And he started a new legacy. And so me and my siblings picked up, and my mom's got her own story and stuff, and my mom broke stuff that was in her family. Also, they created a new legacy with their children. And now me and Katie and my siblings, we have the, uh, the ability, the availability to be able to continue that legacy that they started. Thank God for that. And so my parents, my parents are, listen, my, my, let's see, my great, nobody cares about this but me, but I'm going to tell you anyways, because it's, I like it. Um, Let's see, it's my great grandma. Yeah, so my mom's grandma was a born again, I don't know if she was spirit filled, but she was a born again lady, and she used to teach my mother about Jesus. So it was her grandmother, my great grandmother, and my my grandma and my grandpa, my mom's parents, they're both gone now. So I can talk about them a little bit, but I, I won't be out of honor or anything. But neither one of them taught my mom anything about the Lord. Nothing. They, t- they taught her nothing about the Lord. My grandpa was pretty heathenish, and my grandma was pretty self-righteous. And they never taught my mom anything about the Lord. But my grandma, my, my mom's grandma, my great-grandma used to watch her, and she would tell her about Jesus. She would minister to her about Jesus. You know what legacy she left? She actually apparently skipped her kids and went to the grandkid. And now she left a legacy with my mom who taught me about Jesus, taught me how to have a relationship with Jesus. My mom used to put me to bed every night for many years, and she would sing to me. She would tell me things about the Lord. She would pray over me. She would, I didn't know it at the time, but she would prophesy over me concerning my destiny. She would prophesy over me concerning what a man of God I was and what God would say about me and what God does say about me and how much God loved me. And at the time, I was like, thanks, Bob. I'm going to sleep. I didn't know it. I didn't know what was going on, but it stuck. And she created a legacy in us That's you're reaping the benefits of it today. My God. Hallelujah. So you are leaving a legacy for your children. You are le- leaving a legacy for your spiritual children. What kind of legacy is it? Yeah, I was just going to say, what kind of legacy? And here's a beautiful thing about the Lord is that his mercies are new every morning. So if you feel like you didn't sow or you haven't been intentional about sowing legacy or sowing even good seeds, like the Lord, he can begin that now with you right now. Like you can begin to ask the Lord, like, Lord, like this is actually the legacy that I want to leave for my kids. This is what I want to be said of me. This is what I want them to remember. And you can begin to sow those seeds, even in the spirit and in their lives, or guess what, in other people's lives too. Because here's the thing, you know, if you maybe didn't sow things into your kids, there can be other people who are sowing good seeds into your kids. That's why spiritual parenting is so important and so valuable. And we should not discount anything that other people sow into our kids if it's good especially because like we we can't we won't get everything that they need that's why being a part of a family is so crucial and it's so vital because there are other things that our kids need or that kids need and other people can sow those seeds into them and help actually not only sow seeds but help nurture the things that you've sown into them and help cultivate them and help grow them up so being part of a family is so important and I just I love the Lord that he can um uproot old seeds yeah. and you can plant Hallelujah. new seeds and you can have good fruit that begins to come forth yeah. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Uh, and I'll say about seeds is you know they originate from somewhere every seed produces after its own kind so if you don't like the produce that you have in your life then you need to look at the seeds that have been planted or the seeds that you are planting. Because if you have produce that you're picking from and you continue to pull from it and then you're, you, you know, you're partaking of that, 
then ultimately what you're doing is you're continuing to sow those seeds. And if you don't like what you have, then believe God for crop failure and then ask him for new seeds. But they have to originate from somewhere. Where are you going to get the new seeds that you need to sow? So, for example, if you've got, you know, if you've got uh, major discord um, in your family, if you have a, have a house or maybe you were raised in a house that has just a lot of like backbiting and fighting and arguing and just people are at each other's throats all the time. If that's what you were raised in and you go to have a family or you are, you know, just whatever going through life and you find yourself doing that same thing, you have to be able to identify that that's not accurate. It's not correct. And then you need to chop that tree down. You need to cut it off at the root is what you need to do. And then you say, Father, I'm going to go to your word. I'm going to go to somebody that can help me. I'm going to listen to some teaching. I'm going to get into worship. And I'm going to grab a hold of some new seeds. And I'm going to start a new trend in my life so I have a new legacy of things, not only for me, but all of the people that come underneath me to be able to eat from love and peace and joy and just all of those things instead of the bitterness that's been passed around in my family or my situation. Hallelujah. Some And somebody has to go first. There's That's always, right. just like you were talking about your dad, like he made the decision that although this was what was, like that he was going to stop that and that he was going to be the one that goes first. And I know sometimes like we won't go first because we know that it's going to take a lot of work and that there is going to be sacrifice on our part. And we're going to have to actually grab a hold of a brand new mindset and a whole new way of thinking. And we're actually going to maybe have to leave some things behind, but yep. somebody has to go first. That's so right. why don't you be that somebody? That's right. I come mean, on. come on. Yeah, that's exactly right. Yeah. Amen. Somebody has to go first. It's powerful. Um, so let's, uh, let's jump into number, number three and we'll finish here with, uh, with number three. So number three, all right. So these are four realities of a kingdom minded parent because we're showing you how to become a kingdom minded parent. This means you think like this. And if you think like this, you can do these things. Number three is they agree with what God says. So it would be true to say of somebody who is a kingdom minded parent that that parent agrees with what God says concerning their children. This is very important. Um, let's go and look here. Oh, my. Should we go to Luke or should we go to Timothy? Let's um, go to let's Timothy. Go to Timothy let's go to Timothy. <laughs> We're going to hit Luke, though, anyways. I mean, it's so powerful. All right, so let's go to Timothy. This is where it picks up steam to me. We haven't even really gotten to the good stuff yet. All right, Timothy, 1 Timothy chapter 1. It's all been good. I'm only kidding. 1 Timothy chapter 1. And if we can pull that, we've got the verse up there. Man, you guys are on it. You're like lightning. And it says, this charge I commit to you. Son, Timothy, notice the language, I love it. According to the prophecies, everyone say previously. Previously made concerning you that by them you may wage the good warfare. Now for fun, let's go read the next couple verses, even though they don't tie strongly into what I'm teaching. Having faith and a good conscience, which some have rejected concerning the faith, have suffered shipwreck. And look what happens of whom are Hymenius and Alexander, whom I delivered to Satan, that they may, not, that they may learn not to blaspheme. I, I don't have a point in reading that other than I just think it's kind of funny. Not really. I mean, it wasn't funny for them guys, but it was like 2,000 years ago, so we can laugh about it, so it's no problem. So um, anyways, don't let your faith get shipwrecked or it just doesn't end up well for you. I'm not going to de deliver anyone to Satan, though. I can basically promise you that. So go back to verse 18, and let's... Man, Paul was hardcore. Like, if you yeah. read his readings, like, he called people out. Oh, yeah, the apostle of grace. He was very, uh, yeah, he, he hit it. So here we go. Uh, it says, this charge I commit to you, son Timothy, according to the prophecies previously made. You, because you're a child, you're a child of God, right? You and the people underneath of you must have prophecy words spoken over in order to be able to wage the good warfare. You can't war with something that you don't have. You can't shoot a gun that you don't own. You can't pull a, a sword from your sheath if it's not in there. So it says, okay, yeah, you can shoot a gun that you don't own because it's somebody else's gun. Anyways, <laughs> I could see it written all over. He's Mr. Gunner there. According to the prophecies previously made concerning you that by them you may wage the good warfare. 
Hallelujah. You need to understand something. We need to understand something. We're in a war. You know what the warfare is over? Your destiny, my destiny, and our children's destiny. There's a war happening right now over what God says concerning you and me and our children. And what we need to do is we need to go into the spirit. We need to go into the presence of God. We need to go into the word and we need to find out what it is that God is saying about our children and refuse to say anything different than what God says. That's so good. Because we have power in our words. And if we're not careful, we can begin to agree with the plans of the enemy, with the world system over our children and over our family and even over ourselves instead of agreeing with what God says. Like this is so important because we can see things that might be going on in their lives that we don't like or we don't agree with or that's actually not what we want for them or what we're believing for them. And then we can start to partner with those things, even with our words. And then we keep them out of purpose and destiny. But we are, and I like to phrase it this way because this is how I heard it. But like we are people who are called to propel people forward, to keep them going into purpose and destiny. And so we have an option of being present, future-minded, which is propelling people for, which is going and getting what God says about them, and then speaking that over them regardless of that, if that's what we're seeing or not. Or we can keep them bound to the past, bound to their destruction, bound to whatever it is that they are bound to by agreeing present past. Like, we're supposed to be people who can look at people and say, who are they God who are they God who do you say that they are and now I'm going to begin to agree with who that you say that they are because here's the thing like we can look and see what's happening in the natural like they know what's happening in and in the natural like that's obvious but actually what we're supposed to do is look further look because you have to remember like sin is a manifestation. Sin is a fruit That's of right. a root That's problem. Right. Come on. Sin That's isn't right. actually the problem. <laughs> That's right. Sin is actually what then makes us get into re reaction mode or get into fear and want to try to control or speak opposite of what God says. But we're supposed to get this word and we're supposed to partner with the Lord and say, actually, I see what's happening here, but this is what God says. Yeah. This is who God says That's that right. you are. And this is what I'm agreeing with, and we're going to move forward That's in right. that. Hallelujah. Man, life and death is in the power of our tongue. You know, the word says, says that, and it says, then next thing it says that those who love it will eat the fruit thereof. We should learn to love the power that God has given us in our tongue. We can curse the things that need to be cursed, and we can bless the things that need to be blessed. I want to read a few verses here, and we're going to finish with this. This is so good. Um, let's go to Luke chapter 1, Luke chapter 1, and we're going to read several verses. We're going to read uh, 11 through 22, and then we're going to read 56, 57 through 64. All right, so we're going to go to verse 11 of Luke chapter 1, and I want you to see this here. This is so powerful. And it says, Then an angel of the Lord appeared to him, and this is speaking, speaking of uh, Zacharias, who was John the Baptist's father. It says, an angel of the Lord appeared to him standing on the right side of the altar of incense. And when Zacharias saw him, he was troubled and fear fell upon him. But the angel said to him, do not be afraid, Zacharias, for your prayer is heard and your wife Elizabeth will bear you a son and you shall call his name John. Notice he said, you shall call his name John. He was looking for somebody to come into agreement with him. God is looking for people to come into agreement with him. And you, will and you will have joy and gladness, and many will rejoice at his birth. For he will be, a great, he will be great in the sight of the Lord, and shall um, drink neither wine nor strong drink. He will also be filled with the Holy Spirit, even from his mother's womb. And he will turn many of the children of Israel to the Lord their God. He also will go before him in the spirit and power of Elijah to turn the hearts of the fathers to the children and the disobedient to the wisdom of the just to make ready a people prepared for the Lord. And Zacharias said to the angel, how shall I know this? For I am an old man. 
And my wife is well advanced in years. You know, you would think that if you had an angel appear before you and say, start to say all of these things, that you would say what needed to be said. But no, you can hear the doubt and the unbelief that was coming out. And, you know, Gabriel just is like, all right, we're going to nip this thing in the butt. This, you can't do this. He's your seed, but you're not going to ruin this thing. And the angel answered and said to him, I am Gabriel, who stands in the presence of God and was sent to speak to you and to bring you these glad tidings. But behold, you will be mute and not able to speak until the day these things take place, because you did not receive my words, which will be fulfilled in their own time. And the people waited for Zacharias and marveled that he lingered so long in the temple. But when he came out, he could not speak to them, and they perceived that he had seen a vision in the temple, for he beckoned to them and remained speechless. This goes to show us how much God thinks about what we say over our children. This goes to show us how much power we have in what we say over our children. If God appears to you and says that your child's name is going to be John, then you better come in agreement with what God says. And if God says your children's going to be X, Y, Z, or he says whatever these things over them, we had better come in agreement with that and stop looking at the natural circumstances. Because naturally, the way they would do things is that there would have been some name given to John that was different than John based on the lineage that he came from. But when God interrupts what's going on in the natural and says, no, I see not this, but I see this over here, we have a responsibility as parents to come into agreement with what God says, and it doesn't matter what's happening in the natural. Because God's a God of faith. God says what is on his heart. God says what he sees, and what he needs is for people to come into agreement with what he, what he sees and what's, with what's on his heart. Because if we don't come into agreement, then it won't come to pass. I firmly believe that if he could have opened up his mouth and he would have named him something different or spoken different than what the angel of the Lord said, I firmly believe it would have affected and altered the, the, the path that God had for John the Baptist. I firmly believe that. That's why he was so serious in saying, I'm going to shut your mouth so you can't say anything different than what I have said and what I have spoken is supposed to be said over your child. My God, this should take us to a, a healthy level of fear of the Lord concerning what we say over our kids. Go to verse 57. Let's read these verses here. And it says, Now when Elizabeth's full time came for her to be delivered, and she brought forth a son, when her neighbors and relatives heard how the Lord had shown great mercy to her, they rejoiced with her. So it was on the eighth day that they came to circumcise the child, and they would have called him by the name of his father, Zacharias. His mother answered and said, no, he shall be called John. But they said to her, there was no one among your relatives who was called by this name. So they made signs to his father what he would uh, have called. And I'm sure by this time, Zacharias is like, okay, the only way out of this muteness is to do what it is that the Lord was saying. So you could imagine he was scrambling. You know? <laughs> <laughs> so uh, verse 62 and so they made signs to his father what he would be called and he asked for a writing tablet and wrote saying his name is John so they all marveled immediately his mouth was open and his tongue loose and he spoke praising God what a powerful revelation what a powerful thing that happened and all of it all of the muteness was directly related to what God was saying and keeping Zacharias from speaking different than what God was saying. Listen, all, ki all kids. Now, this is a very extreme circumstance that I guarantee nobody in here has, has done this. But it's written in there for a reason. It's there for our benefit. And every one of us have had natural kids and have had spiritual kids. We've had people in our life that were doing things different than that, that did not reflect the God-ordained destiny that God had for them. And I can just about promise you that probably every one of us has said things that we should not have said concerning them. And we were coming in agreement with what we were seeing and not what God was saying. And we need to change our saying to what God says and forget about what we're seeing. If you're seeing stuff that you don't like and you know isn't right, don't get freaked out about that. 
pray for him, love him, but continue to say what God says about him. Hallelujah. So good. And if you keep, if you keep reading on, Zacharias went and he began to prophesy, prophesy over uh, John the Baptist. And you have to remember, you know, John the Baptist, he was a baby at this point and nobody knew the things that John the Baptist would face. And here's the thing that John, he had these words. Obviously, he had these words because they were repinned. So it was probably something because somebody, I don't know if somebody pinned them, but it was probably something that was spoken over and over and over and over again. It became like something that John would have had to hold on to. Like they memorized things. It wasn't just that they had pen and paper all the time and some of them couldn't even read. It was like this became a part of who he was so that when he was going through some of the things that he was yeah, going through, on. he was like, no, this is what God said about me. This is yeah. what my father spoke and prophesied about me. So I will do the things that he said that I will do. Yeah, Hallelujah. On. And he then was able to grab hold of, and they, you know, I don't know, he, he was wild and he was crazy and he lived this like abandoned life because he was preparing the way of the Lord and like he didn't care about his life and I just think oh my gosh had he not had these words had he not had that prophecy could he have done the things that he done, had done could he have prepared the way the the way he was supposed to prepare the way could he have defeated all odds could he have stood up against all the people who were coming against him like our words these prophecies they matter they can, can they will they will go like john i'm sure he waged war with these prophecies yeah. he he had them and then i'm sure his parents too and friends and families like even people who were waiting for the Messiah to come, who were, they like, I'm sure, they waged war with these prophecies. They spoke them out and they said, this is going to happen. Like John will be the man that God said that he would be. Hallelujah. Right. Hallelujah. Oh. Praise God. Amen. Man, it's powerful stuff. You know, Liz and I, um, when we, uh, we first started, when we first moved to Perryville, um, we faced a lot of obstacles the first nine years of ministry. <laughs> We've been there 10 years. Um, especially the first six years, we faced tremendous difficulties. Not every day, but we went through a lot of stuff just learning how to, how to do it, you know. I, I was sitting across the table from somebody at lunch today, and I said, I love the school that I went to. It was awesome, but it did not prepare me for pastoral ministry. And they said, can anything prepare you for that? And I said, well, I said, actually, yes, if you have a church that's raising up people and putting understanding into people on, on how to pastor people, yes, you can do that. But a lot of Bible colleges have a hard time really preparing people for pastoral ministry because Bible colleges and church, it's, it's different. And so you have to be in the, in the culture of a church that's healthy, that's learning how to raise people up in that. And so uh, anyways, but we went through really challenges, uh, a lot of challenges through, through ministry. And we've been just through a lot over the years. But when we moved to Perryville, God gave us a word. He gave us several words, but one in particular was very strong. And he said, I have not called you here to fail. Because there were, there were times when it was like, you know what? Shut the doors, uh, just be done, and let's just throw in the towel and, and quit. And uh, we've had to walk through a lot of stuff, you know, internally inside of us and in our marriage and just in church because there were times when it just, I mean, it was, you know, when they fired me, um, it's crazy a story, but whenever they fired me, I called Ron and I said, because they ambushed me and had an illegal meeting and anyways, it was bizarre. But I said, they fired me. He goes, what? I said, yeah. And he goes, well, we'll just start over then. <laughs> I said, and I, at oh, that God. moment, I was thinking, well, I could run at this point, you know, but I didn't want to be like Jonah. And so, uh, so anyways, we kept going and, and we just, you know, contended for the people and God restored everything. And we pray for those people and they, they don't, they don't know what spirit they were of really. And so, you know, anyways, but we kept standing on this word that God gave us. I have not called you here to fail. I have not called you here to fail. And we had to contend with that word. 
Because there were times when it was like our backs were against the wall and we felt like just throwing in the towel and we would come back and say, nope, God gave us a word. He gave us a word. And we, we can't, if we quit, then we're going to go against the word that God gave us and we're not about to do that. We're not quitting and we're not giving up because God didn't call us to fail. So praise God. God hasn't called you to fail. Amen. That's a word for some of you. God hasn't called you to fail. Some of you, that's a word for you right now. You need to take that and you need to receive it as a word from the Lord right now. I'm telling you, there's some of you. You just need to reach up and just take that and say, that belongs to me. God has not called me to fail. I will succeed. I will prosper. I will move forward and see the hand of God in my day. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Would you stand to your feet? We love you, Lord. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for uh, prophetic words. Thank you for your written word. Thank you for all of the words that you speak. And thank you for all of the understanding that comes to us from being in the house of God with the people of God around these uh, men and women of God. Thank you, Jesus. And Father, I thank you that you're stirring up words by way of reminder right now that people need. I thank you that you're stirring up words that people need right now. Mm. Lord, your word says that the Holy, part of the job of the Holy Spirit is to bring back things to our remembrance whatsoever that, that Jesus has taught. And so whatever words have been spoken that need to be revived, Father, I thank you that they're being revived now in Jesus' name. Thank you that they're coming back to remembrance. Whatever problem you're facing, there's a prophecy to deal with it. The Lord says whatever problem you're facing, there's a prophecy to deal with it. There's a word that he's already given you. You need to pull that word out and you need to, you need to take it, have the Holy Spirit make it fresh to you again and wage the good warfare. Because if the other side of it, how do you know if it's a good warfare? If the other side of it is something you need, it's something that's right, it's something of God, then the war is worth being waged over that thing. Thank you, Lord. I'm telling you, God's reviving some things in here tonight. He's reviving some old words that are still now words because they were, they were longevity words. They were words to carry you through. Um, probably not one season or even two seasons, but maybe you're even, even your entire life. And God's given you personal words, and you need to bring those back up. Things that he would say to you, things that are promises to you, that if you'll just hang on to it, that God will see that those words will bring you through. Just like Timothy, to wage the good warfare, Paul told him. The word would say to you, son, daughter, wage the good warfare with the word that I have previously spoken to you or multiple words that I've previously spoken to you. Wage the good warfare. Don't quit. Don't give up. Don't throw in the towel. Thank you, Lord. God, we love you. We love your presence. Thank you for showing up here tonight. God, as long as you're going to be here, we're going to be here. Lord, we make this commitment to you that we will never leave you and we will never forsake you. Lo, we are with you always, even to the very end of the age. <clears throat> we will never leave you, God. We will never forsake you. We will be with you always, even to the very end of this age, even to the end of our life. We'll never leave you. We'll never forsake you. Because that is how you are and that's how you made us. Just like you would never leave us and give up on us, you made us to not quit and give up on you. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. I just feel like there's probably a couple of you in here that like your devoter motor is busted. And you feel like you're having a hard time just really being devoted to the Lord and whatever that looks like for you. And your devoter motor, <laughs> it needs some repairs. And God's doing the work in your heart right now. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Praise you, Jesus. I mean, I feel very strongly about that. If that's you, you just feel like your devoter motor, meaning you just, you just have wanted to be really sold out and devoted to the Lord, but you just have not. It's like you just can't do it. If that's you, I just want you to come down here, and we're going to agree with you. This is family. This is family. We're just all seated around the living room. And someone says, I have a need, and we're going to pray for you, and we're going to see this thing change. If that's you, you just say, man, my devoter motor is busted. 
it's broke. I need some change. I need I need help in this area. Just come down here, and we're going to lay hands on you and pray for you. It won't be weird. It won't be funny. I won't push you very hard or anything. I won't push you at all. I'm only kidding. Hallelujah. I feel very strongly about that. I think there's probably two of you that you're saying, and I'm not, I don't look at faces. I'm just looking in the spirit. I got an impression that there's two different people. There could be more, but there's two different people that you have. Um, it's just like you're really wanting to be just totally like sold out to, to the Lord, but you just can't seem to get to that place. And you just keep, everything keeps getting in the way and distractions are hitting and, and just your devotion to the Lord. It's not a works thing, but it's just like, God, I just want to be totally sold out to you, but it, you just have a hard time doing it. God's going to fix that. He's going to do a quick work in you. It'll be like a supernatural miracle on the inside of you. There's two of you. I'm very certain of that. There's two of you. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Praise God. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, sir. Praise God. Bless you. You guys just come stand right here. You guys are awesome. Pioneers, forerunners. Thank you, Lord. We just bless you, Jesus. Thank you, God. Mm, thank you, Lord. Man, God is so good. He's so good. Mm, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, God. Thank you for just taking the, the areas that are not clear and just making them really clear and concrete to both of them, just really clear and concrete. And Father, every ounce, every ounce of uh, condemnation, or shame that would try to be placed upon them, we just break that off in Jesus' name. We just break it off in the name of Jesus. Thank you, Lord. And Father, we thank you for just doing the work on the inside of them that just needs to be done. My God, Lord, I've been in these shoes plenty of times myself to where I just like, oh, I just need a, I need a jump start, and then I need the thing that kept it dying. I need it to just not die anymore. It's like you need a new spiritual spark plug or something. And God's just going to give you a new spiritual spark plug. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Would you guys just stretch your hands towards both of them right now? Thank you, Lord. Let's just come over here and just lay hands on Miss Mary. Thank you, Jesus. Father, we bless this man of God and this woman of God. We're in agreement together. And Father, we thank you for a, uh, just a total overhaul from the inside out. Thank you for the humility. I mean, my God, they could have not responded and nobody ever would have known except for you, Lord. But thank you for the humility. And your word says that God, God gives grace to the humble. He gives grace to the humble. And the Lord sees you, Anthony, and he says, you are a very humble man. You're a very humble man. You're a deep thinker. And, and you just got to talk to you for a couple minutes. You don't need the Holy Ghost, and you can figure that out. You're a deep thinker, and God made you that way. He's proud of how he's made your mind. But he's also given you humility. And you're willing to say, hey, I need to change. I need to grow. I want to see things change. And Father, I thank you from this day forward that whatever has not been in proper order is in proper order in Jesus' name. That God, his devoter motor, that's what I called him up here for. Their devoter motor. I thank you that it's fixed in Jesus' name. And Lord, the things that he set on his heart to do, that he's actually going to do it. Whether it's spending time in the word, particular amount of time in the word, a particular time of day. I thank you that no distraction, no issue is going to get in the way. And, Father, he's going to be able to set his face like flint, whatever that means. I know it's a good thing. It's like, it's like robust. I don't know what flint means, but you've heard that expression. But God, he's going to be able to set his face strong towards you. And, God, you will give him the strength to carry through. You will give him the strength to do what you've asked him to do. You will give him the strength to stay devoted in the areas that, that you've asked for him to stay devoted. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. And I just bless this woman of God. Thank you, Lord. Thank you for increase. Thank you for increase in Jesus' name. That God becoming, becoming older is not a drag. The Lord says becoming older is not a drag for you found great joy. I'm telling you, every time I get around you, I want to laugh. I just want to, I'm telling you, I want to laugh. And it's because you have a great joy on you. You found something special with the Lord. And as you advance and continue on in years, you're going to go deeper into uh, the secret place. You're going to go deeper into intimacy with the Lord, and you're going to go deeper uh, into um, intercessory prayer. And the Lord's going to take you off into the. He's, whew, he's going to take you off in the spirit, 
and he's going to show you things in the spirit and you're going to have it happen at times when you weren't looking for it you weren't asking for it you weren't thinking about it you might be sitting in your chair and just reading you might even be doing something kind of carnal watching tv or something and boom all of a sudden god's going to take you places and he's going to show you things then he's going to give you pen and paper and he's going to give you pen and paper in the spirit and he's going to write things on your heart and he's going to write things on your mind and you won't be able to help but to be devoted to the lord you won't be able to help it you won't be if you ever for a second even try to pull away the pulling of the spirit will be so strong on you that you would have to work to pull away you would have to work to pull away and God's going to make you a great intercessor in the last part of your life. And I'm not saying the last part is quickly. I'm just saying from this point all the way until the end, till you're 150. Let's go for 150, amen? I don't know. Whatever age you've got on your heart. The Lord said he's going to make you a great intercessor. You will be a great intercessor in this house. You will be a great intercessor in your family. And he will wake you up and he will give you people and he will give you names and he will give you faces and he will give you things. He will give you nations that he will have you pray for. And great breakthrough will happen because of your prayers. Great breakthrough will happen because of your prayers. And the Lord says, mark my words, woman of God. And when I tell you to pray for something, you write it down and you mark it and you date it and you watch my word come to pass through your prayers. That breakthrough will happen. That people will be saved. Salvation will happen. Entire towns will turn around. Entire regions will flip right side up because of your prayers. The Lord says, I've called you into intercession. I call you an intercessor. I call you into the deep places to speak my word and to see breakthrough. Hallelujah. Yes, thank you, Jesus. Praise God. Yeah, amen. Amen. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Man, God, you're awesome. Thank you, Jesus. Man. Woo. Thank you, Lord. My God. God, you're so good to us. God, you're so good to us. You're so gracious and so kind, so loving. Thank you for giving us what we don't deserve, and thank you for not giving us what we do deserve. That's your grace and your mercy combined. Thank you that your face is shining upon this work, upon this church. Thank you that you called your pioneers forward. Uh, thank you, Jesus. Uh, Actually, uh, can you come back up here real quick? Yeah. Yeah, you were the only one, other one up here, so you got to come up here. He's like, who, me? Yes. Um, the Lord, I, when you walked away, I, the Lord said stop him, and I didn't stop him. Um, I'm going to give you one word that the Lord says about you, and it might surprise you. But this is what he says about you. And I kind of said it when you walked up here, come to think of it. I didn't realize it was a word from the Lord, but I'm realizing it now. But you are a pioneer. Pioneers don't go the way of everybody else. But they go the way that they know is right. And it doesn't matter what they have to go through. They're willing to go through it to get to the place that they know they're supposed to be. And the Lord says that you are a pioneer, but you're not a pioneer in your strength. You're a pioneer in his strength. You have the strength of the Lord on you, Anthony. I don't know what your name actually means. You should go look your name up and see what it means. You know what it means? I, f I feel impressed. You should go and look your name up. Go do that and then send me a text. Hopefully it's not like, you know, oh, wait, wait, don't go anywhere. <laughs> Hopefully it's not something weird like, princess or something I don't know, like that. I know it's not. I'm just, I'm just kidding. Um, but you have a strength to you. I, I, I believe there's something probably really strong in your name. Um, the name Anthony, I don't know what it means. Liz is going to look it up. Someone else has probably already looked it up. What does Anthony mean? Highly praiseworthy, priceless. Oh, either or. Okay. Okay. Wow. Praise God. Yeah. Uh, I don't know how that fits into Pioneer, but, you know, whatever. You just take the, take that from the Lord and do whatever. You might find, you might go and find even another definition if you go back to the root of it or whatever. I don't know all that. But I am saying this, that the Lord calls you a Pioneer. 
and you have his strength to pioneer. And I think it's things personally with you, but I also think it's things in business. It's things relationally. It's a lot of things. You have the ability to bust through things more than what you realize because it's God's strength that's on you. And you're going to see that strength. You're going to see that strength come through. Amen. Hallelujah. You may be seated now. Okay. Or go back to your standing spot. So, <laughs> hallelujah. Praise God. It's a good place. Hallelujah. Oh, man. <laughs> Thank you, Jesus. You guys are awesome. Uh, sir, I don't, I don't know you. I don't know your, your name. Uh, but I just, I just genuinely want to tell you that God really, really loves you. He's just, he's just, he dotes over you. It's kind of a weird word, but I hear that sometimes. But like when he looks at you, he just um, almost like a mother with a baby. And they're just like, oh, you're just so precious. And just, oh, we're just like, not in a weird way, but that's how God's heart is towards you. When he sees you, he is just so passionately in love with you. I mean, that that's a word from the Lord. You can take that to the bank. That's how God sees you. And, um, and I don't know why you needed to hear that, but I feel like you needed to hear that, and God just wanted you to know that. He just really, really, really loves you a lot. He loves everybody, but sometimes he wants people to say, I love you. And that's what God would say to you, sir. Yeah. Hallelujah. And I just looked at you, and I just saw the love of God all over you. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus, man. Praise God. Do you have anything for anybody? Do you have anything for anybody? Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Do you have anything for anybody? Okay. Praise you, Lord. We love you, Jesus. Mm. Man, God's so good. You know, I want to just say something that um, it's so, God is, oh, God is so faithful. Jesus, forgive me for ever being frustrated for one second. God. We, when we went to, it was kind of difficult. Ah, you could sit down if you want, but I'm, I'm almost done. I want to tell you this one story. I was going to go on just prophesying over people, but I felt like, no, we just need to be done. And, and so we'll share more words and things. But it was difficult because Ron and I, uh, every year for years, have gone to um, uh, North Carolina to minister at Pastor Bobby's church. And this time I said, I'm going to take Liz. And uh, you mind if I take my wife? Um, but I, there was, and I didn't tell him this at the time because I didn't realize how much of an impression it was from the Lord until we got there. Because I love traveling with him and, and just what God does with us together. But I really felt impressed that Liz was supposed to go with me. And so we went and we ministered. And we had on the Friday night service, we had a um, we had an altar call at the end. And I forget even exactly. Was, I, t I basically, I told Liz, I said, we got to lay hands on people. It was like. <laughs> and that's just what I was, you know, feeling on the inside. And I, need, I knew I needed to impart. And so we did something basically to get the people up there is basically what we did. It was a very broad type of um, thing just to receive from the Lord or whatever. And there was there was shoulder to shoulder, like from uh, probably from door to that way over there. I mean, there was, I want to say 40 people, but anyways. And we were going down the line, and I, I was sharing things, and words were coming out of me. And it was blowing my mind, and it was blowing the people's minds. And I, on the inside, I'm thinking, God, I'm not smart enough to do that. And he's like, I know you're not. Just be quiet and follow my spirit, you know. And uh, But then Liz would prophesy things unbeknownst to me, and she didn't know that I had said it and that she would end up saying the same thing. And we were saying things, and we were actually, we didn't say that there because we didn't want, we wanted the people to think we were smarter than we were. Not smarter, but more in tune with the spirit. And we were. But it was like, you know, when you just step out and be bold and watch what God will, will do. I mean, two years ago, Liz was petrified to even talk in front of people. And now it's like, you know, we just we love doing what we're doing. But and, and I kept having this thing and I wanted to operate in the gifts of the spirit, but I just couldn't seem to do it. And I asked Pastor Bobby, my my spiritual father, I asked him, I said, would you pray for me and just pray for me for that to be released. And so in just in a very small setting, he did that. And it took a little bit of time. But finally, I decided, you know what, I'm going to just step out and start to do it. And if I miss it, I'll own up to it or whatever. Um, but I started to see the, the, the Lord work through me and be able to minister to people on levels. And I'm not saying I'm anything special. But what I am saying is that if you just step out and trust the Lord, God will use you in whatever avenue or vein that you are in to bring blessing to people. He is faithful to be to use you, even though 
you and I are not worthy to be used. He's faithful anyways. Praise God. And I'll just say really quick how powerful, like we, when we minister something, like it's coming from revelation because we understand the power. And I will say for me, like several years ago, like I couldn't get up here. Like I didn't want to be up here. I was like, the Lord isn't going to use me and I don't need to be used. And that's fine. Like I'm just, I'm fine behind the scenes. And actually the Lord, I I started actually writing my book of life. And if you read in Psalms 139, you'll see this. And I started to ask the Lord, like he said, I want you to ask me who I say that you are. And so I said, Lord, who do you say that I am? And he said, you know, you are a strong, confident daughter. And I had to start saying that out of my mouth, like you are a strong, confident daughter. And he actually just this last little bit revealed radiant to me. So strong, confident, radiant daughter. And if you ask him who that he says that you are, he will tell you. And not only that, he'll show you things far greater and beyond anything you can ever imagine. And it's for his glory. It's so that I could take what he placed on the inside of me and give it to you all. And that's the thing that as part of the kingdom of God, you have things to offer people. You have things that if you don't offer, then the world won't receive. You have seeds to sow into the ground that only you can sow into the ground. So don't hold back just because you're scared or don't hold back just because you don't think you're worthy or lovely or or you don't have anything to offer because I say you actually, and God says more importantly, that you do have things that only you can offer. So start partnering. So like I had to partner with him. I I have like this whole uh, document that has all the prophecies that I have received and what the Lord says about me that I pop open and I read and I speak out of my mouth so that my ears can hear so that my heart can get in line with what he says because sometimes I'm like I'm so scared and he's like but you're strong confident daughter I'm like I'm a strong confident daughter blah 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 you know like I don't like I don't think I have anything to say and then he uses me because I'm yielded to him yeah so hallelujah Amen. amen praise God If God is changing your life through this ministry, join us in reaching others by partnering with us today. If you would like to give or would like more information on how we are making a difference, visit ociperryville.com.